0: What's going on, everyone? You're listening to the Long Island Sound Podcast, your source for everything Isles and the only Islanders podcast to take a stick to the face and come back with Kylie Jenner's lips. I'm one of your hosts, Damon Viteri, and I'm joined this week by Ben Cohen.
1: How's it going, guys? And what up?
0: And uh, no Kenny this week. He's on assignment. No, who are we kidding? Kenny's been busy. He uh, had some work to do. So uh, no Kenny this week. We'll miss him, but we will, we will make do, Ben. We'll make do.
1: Yeah, I guess we have more time to talk ourselves.
0: <laughs> it's true. I can share a little story. I, I'm, I'm in a good place this week, not just because the Isles are on a four-game winning streak, but uh, for the first time ever, my girlfriend is watching the Dark Knight trilogy, one of my favorite cinema trilogies, Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises. She has not seen any of them, so we are slowly making our way through the trilogy. She loved Batman Begins, so now up next heath ledger's portrayal of the joker so i'm pumped
1: interesting is this did this idea start with the raving that's been going on of the joker which i have still not seen
0: i haven't seen that one either and no believe it or not we were watching mission impossible fallout and there were so many scenes that reminded me of batman begins and i just kept saying we should just watch batman we should just watch batman and she's like why do you keep saying that i'm like let me show you and sure enough we we watched the first movie. She loved it, so it's nice because we have a little bit of a break before the Arizona game, so I can squeeze in some more Batman before the the Isle start again. So yeah, it's good. cool
1: when uh when those those watch they start starts with like a pity watch, and then it you're like oh I'm actually glad that I watched that.
0: I can mark exactly when it was when she was interested because she sat up like right after the first act. She sat up, and I was like oh she's into it. She's into it. So. No. It was cool. It was cool. What's going on with you?
1: Um, I'm having a little bit of a hard time juggling the fact that I'm exhausted from the time I wake up at 7 a.m. to, like, 10.30 when I should be going to bed. But then instead watch Game of Thrones, which I'm almost done with. I started from the beginning, beginning in, like, July. Um, And so I'm in, like, the middle of season eight.
0: Is this the first time you've seen it? Yeah. Oh, man. That is... I know, I, I'm, cool. I'm almost jealous because I, I love – I mean I was obsessed with Game of Thrones when it was on. I read all the books beforehand. I have a Game of Thrones tattoo on my leg. I have the ice dragon that wraps around my calf, and on my shin, I have long claw. So, so cool. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm obsessed with it. I, I love it. I, I love had it. a
1: thing uh, over the summer, and, and as we started to get back to school, where I'd,
0: you know, I'd just be
1: making sure I'd tell people, like, all right, I'm watching. I don't know whether I should tell you. I'm watching Game of Thrones. If you spoil it, I will rip your arm off.
0: Yeah, you got to go you got to go stealth mode on I that. Only, don't even mess with it.
1: Exactly. I only knew one spoiler at the beginning, and that was because I started around I started about a like a few weeks after the finale, like finale finale. So I knew, I don't want to spoil it if you're listening now because I'm going to be more considerate than the rest of the world. Um I knew that there were a few of the characters that were there from day 1 that were still there. But I didn't know if they were there at the end of the episode. I think knew they were there at the beginning because they're in, you know, ads for it and shit like that. Right. Um. My dad told me about one cool thing, where wh- I didn't know the context behind it. I just knew that Arya was fighting someone and she like dropped the knife.
0: And oh yeah. Don't, don't even say anymore because if yeah, anybody, if anybody anything. hasn't seen it, that was just uh, it's ugh, the sorry.
1: coolest part ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was great. So I saw that last night. And I realized that how important the context of it is, which I can't say anymore. But it's just it, – it honestly, like a TV show like, gives you chills. It's really weird.
0: Oh, yeah. No, for sure. For sure. And that's a good segue, Ben, because the Isles headed up to uh, Winterfell or Winnipeg, I should say, uh, yeah. Thursday. I mean we haven't – it's nice. There there were no Islanders' losses between recording shows. I mean when does there that – when is that going to happen again? Um, well, it's definitely going to happen in the bye week, whenever that is. <laughs> but, That's true. I don't know what we're going to talk about that week, but I I'm sure we'll come up that, with something. I, thought, I mean,
1: we did it the whole off season.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. So, yeah, Isles head up to Winnipeg, and it was a scary game, I thought, going in just because of the way that the Isles handled Winnipeg on the island. I thought that they'd be out for blood. They've kind of settled down a little bit from the beginning of the season. Their, their blue line settled down a bit. Uh, Morris, he was back in the lineup, you know, he missed the first game. The Isles played, uh, played Winnipeg. So it could have been a, a, a tricky game and it really started out looking that way. I mean, the first period was, was pretty lopsided. I, I almost did a double take when we were putting the show notes together. I didn't realize, I forgot that the, the shots were 16, five jets in the first period. I mean, it was pretty, pretty one-sided. Uh, Varley gets the start. He's going up against Hellebuck in this game. And uh, Ehlers gets the, gets the scoring going. He's had a pretty good season to start. I know he's only at the time it was only his third goal, but I thought he's been involved for the Jets pretty much from the very beginning. And we talked a little bit about that trade rumor from early in the in the year when uh, yeah. we thought that it might be Polak going for Ehlers. But uh, I'm glad that's not happening. But anyway, uh, Ehlers really, I mean, rips a shot past Varley on the glove side. It was a power play goal. Uh, kind of late in the first period, about seven minutes left, six forty eight. Uh, it was their second power play of the game. Dalcole uh, was in the box for holding. He, you know, really uh, he's kind of been struggling and I know I've seen it on Twitter. I've heard it on other on other podcasts. Dalcole's been been struggling a bit. I don't think he's as bad as people have been saying, but this certainly didn't help the cause and it gave gave ammunition to the Dalcole haters out there on, on the hold. Uh, three penalties the whole game. Uh, both of the Isles penalties were uh, were in the first, and then Kulikov with the tripping penalty in the second. So I think Broussard
1: uh, scored the first, the, had the first penalty, which also is would be on the on the Broussard fire because he has not started well either.
0: No, no, he hasn't, and, and and we'll talk about that a little bit. I don't know how much you could really expect from a guy who, and we, and we talked about it before the season started when they signed him that. What what are the true expectations for Derek Broussard? You're certainly not going to get Derek Broussard from the Rangers. Were you going to get the struggling Broussard or something in the middle? And I think so far it's been more on on the struggle side. Again, we'll, we'll touch you know we'll, we'll touch on that as we get into the show. But uh, Isles finally get their they get their one and only power play of the game. And Matt Barzell, as as Shannon said, and I'll clarify Shannon's comment as she clarified to Andrew Gross on his podcast. Ovechkin-like shot from Matt Barzell on the on the power play. Not Ovechkin-like shot in terms of the speed and velocity, but the placement where he was. And just uh Barzell just rips it home, ties the game. Um Taves and Bailey had the had the apples. Uh and and again, like like you said, Ben, two two hot guys on the assist chart. I mean, they're uh Bailey is is feeding guys left and right, and he's really I thought, stepped into a great role. I want to see more Isles power plays because I think you're really starting to see them comfortable. The passes are crisp. They're not hesitating. They they kind of have that killer instinct. And I think after, after the game against the Blue Jackets, the Islanders are third. I mean, and again, small, small sample size, especially for the Isles with how many penalties they've generated. But they're third in the league right now on their power play percentage which is phenomenal. Yeah. So, I mean, if that if they can stay in that top third, this is exactly one of the keys we said how the Isles are going to hold off regression this season was going to be their power play getting better. And so far, it looks much better. So, uh, two minutes better. after that power play, Oliver Wallstrom, he's so close. He's so close to getting his first goal. He gets robbed by Hellebuck. Uh, he could have put it a little bit higher I thought, you know, just, just get that you know, he's in tight. Good save though. Good save by Hellebuck. You can't, you know, you can't really criticize Wallstrom too much. It would have been nice for him to, to get that, get that first goal. Uh, and, and, a, and a great pass by Bailey yet again, elite, elite Josh Bailey,
1: elite Josh Bailey. But um, yeah, it's crazy. He played so well in that game and we'll get to it later. I, I, I didn't think he played so well against the Blue Jackets, and and it happens. I mean that that's just you're you're never going to play 82 good games in a season. But in the first game, why am I forgetting? It was the first game against the Blues?
0: Yeah, Blues yeah. was his first
1: game. Yeah, Blues. He played so well in the Blues game that he played so well, better than the Blues game in the uh, in the, that night against. Why am I blanking? We're literally talking about them, the Jets. But yeah, he played so well in that game. There was a move that he had um, as well where. I don't. I don't remember whether he came from the slot and then went around the side to like
0: the left half. Long. Oh, you're talking about when he drove to the net. Yeah. I think he went. I think he went on the outside and yeah, then it cut was behind. In. The,
1: it was. I, I'm not sure whether he came from the point or became or he came from behind the net. But then he he drove and the, the defenseman kind of left him alone, and he just took it to Halabuk and he missed high. But that's the kind of confidence where you're just thinking, he's not shying away from anything. Oh Eric. yeah, you yeah.
0: See? And, and that was a play. That was a play where he comes around the defender. He wasn't behind the net. He comes around the defender. He almost like traced the circle, cut yeah. in because on his th- what was impressive about it was on his move back inside. So he's got the defenseman leaning on the outside. He cuts inside and in the same motion releases the puck. And that was why he shot it so high. He shot it about a foot over the bar, but he was in tight and just to do just that move alone to come from outside in like that and on the same motion release the puck at the velocity he did it's just it's damn impressive it really is yeah. and and every game he's had one or two of those where you're like he's gonna he's gonna get it and once he starts going he's not gonna stop he seems like a guy who once he gets that confidence he's just not gonna stop so for sure uh, yeah uh, so under a minute left in the second, Barzi on a two on one, and I, I love this. He he looks over, he looks he looks to his left, he sees he's with Leo Komarov, and he just drives to the net. He's like, I'm shooting all the way. <laughs> hellebuck clean, puts it top shelf. It's so good, so good to see Matt Barzell shooting the puck and not making these fancy and beautiful, but oftentimes unnecessary passes. He's shooting the puck and he looks like A different player. He's much more threatening now, and he's going to open himself up now more to the passing lanes because teams can't just cover the pass. They have to now be very concerned about his shot.
1: When you think about the... When you think about Barzalem 2-on-1, to me at least, the first goal that comes to mind is... Might have been like five games from the end of the season against uh, Montreal at home, where he's going in maybe like a minute and a half left with Anders Lee. And... He like waits a second, kind of similar to the Pittsburgh um, in in the in the playoffs in overtime, where you just kind of hesitates a little bit, and then he, well in soccer you'd call it nutmeg, he nutmegs the defender. I, I want to say it was Petri or Petrie. um, and Lee because he had he freezes both Petri and and Carey Price, Lee has the the whole net to shoot at, and. That's what you think about when you think about Barzal, either that or, you know, that like backhand saucer where he somehow gets it over, um, gets it over the defenseman. And you're mm-hmm. like, honestly, there's, you feel like there probably are, there definitely are, but it, it seems like that's one of those skills where he's just the best at it. And then you think about the other, when he takes a shot and really the only other shot that that comes to mind when he's on two on one and shoots was the goal that he scored to get the hat trick against Toronto, when he was in, um, in on two one one with Beauvillier, and he and he put it through the legs of, it wasn't Freddie Anderson, it was their backup. I don't know who their their backup is. What's his name? Uh,
0: it, it's not the backup that they have now. Now, yeah. uh, Now they have Hutchinson. It was um, McElhaney, I think. Mac- it was, no, uh, Sparks. It was either yeah, Sparks Garrett or McElhaney. Spark, Sparks.
1: And so those goals, I mean. Sure, Sparks probably, you know, could have done better. I don't want to blame him, but he could have done better, maybe. And but Barzell has a shot. It's it's not like we're telling I don't know, I can't think of an example. It's not like we're telling a bad shooter to shoot. It's right. it's the same thing that we had in in different contexts with Josh Bailey in the past. Like he has a really good shot. He does. It might have been in, in game three. Or, no, it was it was in game two against Carolina, where I mean, they they lost anyway, but he had a chance where he was like, all right, that's a goal seven times out of 10. And instead he passed. And I think Iles Twitter would have been on his ass for it if he hadn't scored or set up. I don't remember whether he scored or assisted. You passed through uh, Nelson, I think. Yeah, like a few minutes later. So it didn't matter. But those are the kind of things where it's with Bailey and it's with Barzell where like they have really good shots. So them shooting, it's not like a liability.
0: No, of course so not. Shoot. It's only going to benefit Matt Barzell as he – and you're seeing it. His points are racking up now, and he's going to get his apples. The kid's going to get his his assists. There's no doubt about it. He makes too much room. His edge work is too good. He's too smart with the puck. But if he can get 25 goals this season just from shooting more – his assists are going to pile up too because he's just going to make that much more space for himself. And what's already a difficult proposition for defenders is going to be even harder because now, number one, you have to catch up to him and you have to stop and start and stop and start with him. And then you have to worry about, is he passing or is he shooting? What lane do you take? Do you try to get in front of him and block the shot? Do you try to take away the passing lane? He's going to have a huge season. If if this is any indication, if he can take this – First seven eight games of the season and carry it through to you know the full complement the full eighty two games. Watch out and boy he's going to get paid.
1: Not to mention you look at the players that that he plays with the Islanders are filled with you know whether it's a guy like Everly or fringe top six forwards that are so confidence based that if he's playing so well. Jordan Eberle is going to have to get points somewhere and that's a confidence booster. So it could be, uh, you know, like we said in the preseason, 30 goal season for Everly or yeah. something like that.
0: Well, that's why hockey is such a momentum game. It's more than just even the momentum on the ice. It's just how guys are feeling. It's a, it's a confidence thing. And you see it with Bovillier, you see it with Barzell. These guys are playing with confidence and it just helps everyone around them. So that's been a positive for sure. I mean, there's certain, there's some negatives we can talk about, too. But that's been a, a very good positive for for this team so far. Uh, and I thought for the rest of this game, just to kind of wrap up the Winnipeg game, we played a good road game. Josh Bailey elite. Josh Bailey gets the empty netter. Uh, I thought he deserved it. He he battled there at the end. He had a great game. And the Isles go into Winnipeg, get outplayed in the first period and, you know, gut out, a, you know, a road game. And, and and you know, they didn't get the calls that they they probably should have. Matt Barzell's face was a testament to that. But, you know, they weathered. And I think Barry Trotz even said this. They weathered the storm. They and Matt Barzell took this team on his back and, and led them to victory. And that is what you want to see when you're on the road. Can you survive a full season that way? Probably not. But against a good team that wanted revenge, I'll take that. Every day of the week. So, you know that was a that was a, a real nice, real nice, solid victory for the Isles. Uh, just to get into the uh, the stats here on the game, Jets outshot the Isles 26. Faceoffs were sixty percent Jets, forty percent Isles. Isles were one for one on the power play again, and we're gonna keep talking about this. They're not getting power play chances, but they are making they're making it happen when they do. They're making the most. I mean, one for one, can't can't get better than that. Jets went one for two. Um, Hits were even, 23-23. Isles had 15 blocked shots to Winnipeg 6, and the Isles had 11 giveaways to the Jets' 17. Uh, We get into the analytics, and uh, it's a little bit more lopsided in favor of the Jets. Jets uh, won the Corsi battle 60% roughly to 40%. As far as the high danger chances for percentage, uh, the Jets had 61.11% to the Isles, 38.89%. And expected goals for uh, was 55.3% to the Jets, to the Isles, 44.7%. And what we've been seeing with the analytics is that the Isles tend to get out corsied, but the high danger chances, the quality versus quantity is usually in their favor. It wasn't in this game. This game, this was Matt Barzell- being an elite forward and taking the team on his back. That's how I see it.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And I I think that both the analytics and also what you said before about, you know, you're not going to win these games every time. And it's not they're not the best games. But you know, you'll take it when you're going it's a three-game winning streak and it becomes a four-game winning streak. So you'll take that 10 times out of 10. And but the the way the game went and the, what the what the stats show is that I think that there's a clear improvement toward Islander hockey that we've seen this season. There, even in, in we, I think I said it in the last podcast game or maybe it was two weeks ago because I think it's already the third week of hockey. But the first game against Washington was really Islanders hockey. It's just they made a couple more mistakes than the Capitals and they paid for it. It was a little bit worse than that in in other games, like Carolina, Edmonton, those were pretty ugly. But against Winnipeg, you're looking at a team that made a couple mistakes, but at the end of the day, they only gave up one goal. They were out obviously, they always are, and the high-dancer chances weren't great for them, but like you said, those games happen, and... At least in the second and third period, it, it looked like Highlanders Hockey. They gave up 16 shots in the first period, and I think they gave up somewhere around that in the second and third combined.
0: Yeah, and what I loved about this game more than anything else maybe was the fact that they didn't let the missed high sticks. They didn't let the missed calls really bother them. They didn't even say anything about it. They just mm-hmm. went about their business and they got the job done. And it was the f- one of the first times I felt this season where we really did clamp down. I thought Varley, again, had a had a very good game. And I think he's settling in now. And I think we're getting less and less, at least for myself, I'm getting less and less nervous. You know, he is letting in some goals that he can stop. But, you know, after Eeler's first goal, he went right back to that same spot. He tried to pick that corner again. And Varley shut it down. And that's what you want to see. And we've talked about that. How do these guys respond? And and I like that about, about Varley's game. And now he's starting to put a little string together. He's playing better. And surprise, surprise, the owls are on a winning streak. They've got two goalies that that can are more than capable of keeping them in games. And you're starting to see that now. So, yeah, all in all, I thought, again, not the prettiest game, but two points is two points. I don't care what month of the season it is, and that was a big win. And now we're done with the Jets. We don't have to see them anymore. We got to miss Bufflin. If he comes back, we don't have to worry about it unless we're playing them in this cup final. So I'm good with that.
1: Yeah, um, just two more quick things that I wanted to get to before before we move on. The first thing is this is kind of including the Columbus game, uh, but I think one of the most Islander-esque Things, I mean, if you're just going off based off last year and the beginning of this year, is that the Islanders are on a four game winning streak. But more than that, each Islander goal, goaltender is on a two game winning streak. Barlamov won two of them and Grice won two of them. Can and, we count uh, Lanner?
0: Because if we count Lenner's win, then we're on a five game winning streak. Are we allowed to do that?
1: Let's do it. Honestly, I love him too much. <laughs> I love Leonard.
0: I, I miss can't him.
1: Over when. This tweet did not get enough traction when he when someone realized that in his pad he had just a tiny bit of blue and orange. Yeah, he put blue and pad. orange in the Blackhawks colors.
0: Yeah, it was absolutely hilarious. Oh, it and, was amazing, amazing. Like, he still it got, it got
1: traction in like for like a, a day or two, but that went away and oh, I'll never I'll never get over that.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: And uh, oh, sorry, the last thing that I wanted to get to before we move on is on the Barzal two on one the the creation of that goal was absolutely amazing. So I don't remember who it was on the jets that tried to dump it in and Boychuk blocks it out of the air with his stick. Mm -hmm. Ridiculous hand-eye coordination. He's like three feet away from him. And then Andersley dives to get the puck to Barzell, who's then on a two on one. And I mean, that's also Islander hockey again. It's getting back to it. Like this is a team that is, we, you know, we've said it and, everyone's been saying it since since last year we're better than the sum of our parts everyone gives everything and and you it work i mean it, it's like the butch second favorite thing to say after the toy department but they're hard to play against
0: they are they are and that's how you counteract regression i mean the aisles get just absolutely hammered by all the Analytics community by the analytics community, all the all the big players in the analytics world, they're doing nothing but rooting for the Isles to regress because the Isles broke their models last year. They absolutely broke their models. And you know what? This is Barry Trotts hockey. It's capitalizing, you know, and 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 playing that consistent system. And you know what? The Devils won by playing, they won so many cups by playing a consistent system and capitalizing on their chances and then clamping down. Barry Trotts with the Caps won the Cup doing the same thing. This is how you win games, and this is why you have to look at everything, not just analytics. And this is how they can beat regression is by, by capitalizing on their chances. And if they do it again this year, I think a lot of quote-unquote geniuses out there are going to really have to think about how they look and and weight things, because something's not right here. I mean, by their model, the Isle should finish with 80 points this season. There's no possible way they can have the same PDO they did last year and have the same goaltending they did last year. It's not possible. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Like Carver likes to say, charts and graphs, charts and graphs. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so let's move on to the – Last game the Isles played, this was in Columbus. The dreaded sight of the cannon that everyone hates, including myself. I hate their goal song, and I hate their cannon. Probably equally, maybe, if not more. But uh, this was probably the first game of the season where I thought the Isles had the better of play in the first period. For so many games, we've started slow this this year, and this was the first time where we really kind of took it to – the, the opponent early. And he started with Matt Barzell yet again. Gets on the score sheet early. Uh, finishes what I call a jump ball. Pellick moves the puck out of the zone. Quick up to Lee. Lee just kind of, as Andrews Lee does, makes it look easy. He just kind of opens his wrists up. Flips the puck up in the air. Matt Barzell's one-on-one with Worenski. He beats him to the puck. He beats Korpisalo. one nothing Isles. Beautiful goal, and it's just Matt Barzell making something out of nothing. Jackets tied up. Uh, stop me if you've heard this one before. A wrist shot from inside the circle beats an goaltender, <laughs> and uh, and it's 1-1. Now, this one, look, I'm not going to fault Thomas Grice for this. Wallstrom was battling in front of the net. He drops to a knee, tries to take away most of the shot. This is him learning, but he basically screens Grice, doesn't get in front of the shot, it beats Grice, and Seth Jones, he's, he's, he's a great player. He's got a great shot. He beats Grice 1-1. Uh, back and forth first period, Bovillier, he's been unbelievable this season. He looks like a different player, and he's still got his motor like he did last season, but he just seems a little smarter. He seems like he's taking the proper trajectory to get to the puck. He's not... He's not wasting energy. All of his energy is is being used the right way, whether it's winning battles along the boards, whether it's beating defensemen to the puck. It looks like he's he's really starting to kind of put the tools together. And I love seeing this because everybody loves Bo. He's such a great player. And he leads the breakout out of the zone. dalcole beautiful pass out of the zone to to Beauvillier. bovi makes a power move to the net, gets off a real good shot that Corpusalo stops. Bobby beats the defender to the puck, pops the puck out in front of the net, and Dal who good on him for staying with the play. He he started the play, he finishes the play, crashes the net, buries the rebound. Great play by Bo. Great play by Dal being where he should be. Two one aisles with three and a half to go in the first period. And I thought one of the first time this season, we had a Michael Dal sighting. I don't know if it's
1: uh if I'm beating a dead horse here with Beauvillier, I feel like it's I've, maybe I've said it a, month, a bunch of times or maybe it's just been in my head. But with Beauvillier last year and the last couple of years, when he's on, he's on because he's scoring. And, you know, there's the five points against the Rangers and, you know, the second half of his sophomore year where he had like a 60-point pace. There, There are those moments. But at the same time, there are those moments where... He's what when he's not doing that, he's literally nowhere. Literally nowhere. And this year so far, him scoring almost has nothing to do with how well he plays, aside from obviously those moments where he scores or assists. Like it puts numbers on the board and it's obviously great for the team. Like that's what you want out of him. But in terms of you know the effort that he's putting in, what he does for the team, his forecheck, his penalty kill, hot take, definitely while Sizikas is injured, but Maybe even when he gets back, Mavili has been our best penalty killer this season.
0: That's I just agree. me. I agree. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I thought that he, from the start of the season, he's been, he's had a motor, and it's the little things. He's really becoming a Barry Trotz hockey player. He yeah. works hard. He's got some skill, and it shows from time to time. But his His battle level is just—this season, I think, is better than I've ever seen before. He's always gone up and down the ice with speed. That's never been his problem, but it's been wasted energy. Like You'll see him fly up the wing, and he'll try to bump a guy, or he'll overskate the puck on the forecheck. The team comes back the other way. He's just a little behind it. That's not happening this year. He's taking away the outlet pass. He's bodying guys, and he's winning the battles. And that's something that, again, he's a young kid. He's Barzil's age. So he's learning, and he's becoming stronger, and he's becoming smarter. And I think we're just starting to see Anthony Beauvillier coming to his own. And right now, if he keeps this up, he's going to be a real high-end third-liner to mid-tier second-liner. That's kind of where I see him fitting in, and that is perfect. That is perfect.
1: perfect. Absolutely perfect. And the thing is last year on top of it, like it's the Michael Dal Colson, you forgot you, you he came off the ice. You'd see him, whether it's he takes a penalty or the camera pans to him when they're walking off uh, after the, after a period. And you're like, Oh, he was playing. It's right. that's not hap- That hasn't happened. Not just in a game, in a period this year, whatever he's doing, you notice him. And with those guys, You notice them in bad ways too. Like, you know, Matt Barzell gives the puck up in the defensive zone. The Jets should have scored on one on that when the score was one to one. But honestly, Beauvillier hasn't had any of those moments.
0: No, no, not yet. He's been real solid. And he's gonna he's gonna keep getting the nod. If if he plays like this, Trotz is gonna ride him. I mean, he's gonna keep him on the kill. I think uh that you know that's a that's a real good real good situation that Bo's putting himself in and you know shame on me I forgot to mention this but yet another islander NHL debut this game Cole Bardreau Komarov gets sick late in the day and Bardreau barely gets to the rink on time didn't have his his uh, you know his suit or anything you know and uh, and he gets there and he played fourth line center and I thought he was extremely serviceable for us this game.
1: Yeah, he was totally fine. I mean, it's it's what you want to see for a guy filling in at the last second. He looked like he was up to the challenge. Um, he didn't look out of place. He didn't look like someone that I want to be in the in the lineup on a regular basis, but no one's expecting that of him. It's you know, he, he did as well as what you could ask. And this and with that point is of all the guys out and sick or Cole Bardreau, who aside from, you know, a couple preseason games, like I didn't really know existed, but the guys that play around him, the guys that are shuffling from the third line to the second line to, you know, Bovilliers playing with Nelson and then he's playing with Komarov and he was never good at, you know, juggling his line mates before and, you know, Bailey's on the second line or the third line. It doesn't matter because there aren't really like names for the lines because guys are just moving. Right. And, right. I mean, it's full props to the guys because you know whatever you ask them to do, and as much as I am not a fan of Tom Kunako, I was last year. I thought he was a great you know fourth liner, scratch pad to fourth liner guy. The guy can't play on the first line, but wherever you ask him to play, that's where he's going to be. And and that that's what Trot Trot says about him. It's why he's on the, it's why he's on a, on the roster. He's
0: oh not yeah, especially and we'll great get, at anything, but yeah. He can and fill we'll, in we're anywhere. We're gonna get into Kunakle, I think, after after this game, <laughs> there was a, an interesting conversation that I had on Twitter. But um, let let's let's finish up this one, and then we'll we'll dig into the Kunackle stuff, because I think we have a lot to a lot to unpack with that one. Yeah, uh, and this was a this this game, the Blue Jackets game. This was a tough one for the third for the third line, uh, Bailey, Broussard, and, and Wallstrom. The Jackets tie it up late in the second. It was kind of a missed outlet pass by by Wallstrom. I don't know if you can really fault that the puck was – it wasn't on his tape or anything like that. He had to kind of stretch for it, couldn't get it. The Jackets get a shot on Grice. Grice really should have gloved it and froze it, but he fumbled. He missed the, he missed the glove, and uh, Boone Jenner bangs it home. Tie game late in the second. Uh, and then, you know, this was – they look the Isles really had a rough period, and then the third period – the start of the third period was maybe the worst two and a half minutes the Isles have played all season. And Barry Trotz calls a timeout. And maybe for the first time I can remember, I mean, we've seen him mad before, but he lost his mind. You could, If you could read lips, it was not hard to see what he was saying. And I was 100% on board for it. He was telling them, stop chasing the puck. You know, you got to play like it means something. You know it's 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 bleep and bleep and this and that. I mean he just he read them the riot act, and after that they settled down. I thought they played a, a decent third period. Uh, third period ends two two. We go back to overtime again, and really the Isles played what we what we were we were kind of texting and we said that it was a perfect overtime. The Jackets hardly touched the puck if at all, uh, and it was. I thought the, the hero of overtime was Anthony Beauvillier. Nick Letty comes in on in on the, the top of the circle, gets a wrist shot. Corpusello makes the save. And what should have been the Jackets getting possession, Beauvillier beats the defenseman to the puck, chips it back over to Letty again. And now the Jackets were already in transition going up the ice. So Letty gets the puck. Brock Nelson's wide open. Letty feeds Brock Nelson the puck, and Brock gets the game winner. That was all Anthony Beauvillier. And it was nice to see the Isles handle overtime so quickly without Matt Barzell. This was this was Letty, Nelson, and Beauvillier. So again, Bo making a goal happen. He doesn't get the goal, but that was two plays where he beat the Jackets defenseman and, and, and was the, the catalyst for the Isles goal. And I thought that was, that was great to see.
1: This is definitely becoming the, the Bow fan club, which is, um, a, you know, something Bow adjacent. I'm, I'm sure we'll have a good chance at being the title, uh, which of course, if you're listening, you've already seen, <laughs> I feel like we have a thing where every episode we talk about, Oh, that's going to be a possible name. But if you're listening to this, you've by now seen the title. Otherwise you wouldn't have clicked on it. But we like to banter. <laughs> so but the the uh, the attention span, the the peace of mind that Babilia has not to just tip the puck back on goal or the likelihood is he's gonna hit Corpusello's pad, but to see Letty coming open after the shot that he that he'd already taken, not just to chip for a you know a second chance opportunity, but for a second chance high danger opportunity. And that to me is the Islanders as much as it's different because it's, you know, it's three on three. It's, you know, one example. That's the thing where the Islanders lose in Corsi and they lose in goals four, but they destroy in high danger chances.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. They do. They do. And that was, that was definitely, that was definitely on display uh, in overtime and we've seen it. We've seen flashes of it so far this season. What I'd like to see and it's hard to again, it's hard to say you want other things when your team is on a four game winning streak. But it's been I think it's fair to say it's been an ugly four game winning streak. And sometimes you got to take that. You're not there's going to be games that you you look great and you should win and you don't. And there's going to be games that go the other way. And that's just that's that's hockey. Uh, so I'm I'm not complaining by any means, but there are certain things. And I think consistency is one you're seeing it. It's 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 there's three or four different quote unquote Islander teams in a game this season where sometimes they just look dominant and other times they look like completely uninspired. And that really wasn't the case last year. And that could be the chip on their shoulder when Johnny left and all that. We'll see. We'll see how this plays out. But four game winning streak. um, And uh, just to quickly go over the stats, shots are pretty even this game. Blue Jackets, slight advantage, 36 to 34. The face-offs. Iles just got murdered again. 63% to 37%. A lot of that has to do with Casey being out um, and Colbard Drew being in. So you know, there's take take that for what it is, but again, they gotta be better on the face-offs. Another glaring thing, zero power plays this game. We were complaining last game that they had only one. They had none this game. So I can't imagine that, like Butch said the 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 other team is not playing a perfect clean game. I don't understand why they're not getting the calls, but whatever it is, that's got to change. Um and and on the kill they were good, Isles they were 1 for 1. So the Jackets didn't have many you know many power plays either. It was only one one penalty called the whole game. Uh hits Isles had 30 to the Jackets 14. Isles had 33 blocked shots to the Jackets 9 and Isles had only six giveaways to the to the Jackets 12. So Pretty clean stats, apart from you know. Again, we want to see more power play chances. We want to see them improve on the face off. But I like seeing, I like when the team is you know double the hits. Again, I, I've talked about it before. Sometimes that means that your team is chasing, but I like that. I like that they're at least engaged physically. Uh, if you look at the analytics, Corsi for Isles lose again. Blue Jackets fifty nine point zero six percent to the Isles forty point nine four. High danger chances for. Isles had 52, uh, uh, sorry, Blue Jackets had 52.63% of the high danger chances to the Isles 47.37%. And as far as expected goals for Jackets, 53.42, Isles 46.58%. So again, we lose the analytics battle. We win the game. I'll take that all the time. And uh, again, four game winning streak. How can you, how can you complain? We're, We're five and three now. They've got the ship righted and we're finally getting into now some games where, you know, you got to start, you got to start beating these teams that I believe are, are inferior to the Isles. And that's exactly what they're doing. And you love to see that.
1: Um, At the, this segue of teams that are inferior to the Islanders, the Islanders are playing now. The, when we started filming, I actually haven't checked since it was the end of the first period in the Coyotes Rangers game at Madison square garden. And right before we started film, uh, started recording, you told me coyotes are you know range of losing again at home, and I said yeah, but did you see the shots? It's twenty one to three. And you heard, I you know we don't have a camera going, but I you know I you can sense I could sense your jaw drop open.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. It, I mean I I can't remember the last time there's been so many lopsided periods in 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 hockey, where you know we talked about the Hurricanes out shooting the Lightning. Uh, the one period where the Lightning had had ne- zero shots on goal, and then they had one shot on goal, and you know we've we've talked about how the Isles have outshot teams greatly, and then they get outshot sixteen to five. And so, I mean, it's just very very weird, very weird start to the season. Yeah, so I'll be I'll be curious to see how many shots Arizona ends up putting putting in uh at the end of the game. But
1: are you ready for this?
0: Yeah, sure. It's Hit not
1: me. the only lopsided shot. The King, I mean, it's no one the jets are playing they're playing the kings like the worst team in hockey right i'm not stupid the kings are one awful. of
0: them i think the senators are the worst team in hockey yeah, but the no, kings are
1: in the bottom 5 the kings are awful the kings in winnipeg are up 1 with 6 16 left in the first the shots are 17 to
0: 3 yeah it's it's what i'm saying i can't remember i can't remember the last time that's happened in the league but it's still early teams are figuring out their systems teams are figuring out who they are what they are so We'll see if it, if it normalizes. I'm sure it will. Uh, these teams have to just, you know, fine-tune things.
1: Let me clarify why I actually brought up the Coyotes and Rangers game. I'm not actually, like, this is not a Rangers podcast. Obviously, if, it, if you're a Rangers fan, you're in the wrong place. Um, I mean, actually, the viewers will take it. Um, you know, an opposition point of view will take it. Um, although, why are you here? I, I'm curious to know. Anyway, the reason I'm thinking of it is the Islers are playing the Coyotes in two days, so it's kind of a double-edged sword. And the Rangers just tied the game two-two, um, with the shots totals being 29 to 15. But the the Coyotes are coming to town on Thursday, and so I was thinking it's a double-edged sword. Like, are the Coyotes going to have 21 shots in the first period at, at, at the Coliseum too?
0: <laughs> Maybe. But Maybe we'll see. I'm I'm not I'm not worried about Arizona. They they they're they're off to a good start. They're a hardworking team. I still don't think they have the horses yet to really threaten. And I think the Owls yeah. always play good against the Western Conference. There's just something about it where we just I feel like we always match up well. So um so yeah I mean look not a not a whole lot to complain about those those last two games were again five and three. Need to clean up the face-offs a little bit more. Need to get more power plays. But when they are getting the power plays, they're finishing them. Love it. And uh, we're going to be playing Arizona at home. uh, And then uh, we finish up uh, back-to-back games. We have to go up to Ottawa, play the Senators. Those are the next two. So – Um, Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be good. Uh, Boys got a little bit of a break now this week and uh, gave us some some space to record, which is nice. And now I want to get into some of the things that we've been noticing. And I want to talk a little bit about I got into it on Twitter a little bit. And and it wasn't an argument. It was a good it was a healthy debate with Mitch Anderson of Eyes on Isles. And we were talking about Kunaklan and and Mitch tweeted something to the effect of how is Tom Kunaklan still on the first line when he's been playing so awful and you know my response to him was was well because they're winning and and you know he said to me well you know that he has that has nothing to do with them winning you know to knock on the first line and and my my whole take on this is i believe that Barry Trotz likes to have an even disbursement of defensible uh, defensively responsible forwards with skill guys and sometimes it doesn't look uh, it doesn't look pretty when you, when you look at the roster and you see the Kunakles and the Komarovs and, you know, the, the Cole Bardros of the world and Dal Cole sprinkled into this lineup. But if you look, there's a reason why he's got Wallstrom on the third line. And I think it's because you want to have that offensive threat and you want to have that defensive responsibility. And th- this is how the Isles end up losing the Corsi battles but winning the games. And – I believe that until something changes with this roster, this is the best Trotz can do with what he has. And, you know, Mitch Anderson, he look, he does his research. He knows his stuff. And, and he was saying, well, I really want Josh Bailey on the first line then. why not, Why not Bailey? And then I said, well, because then what do you have? You've got a fourth line and a third line that are effectively nothing but your scraps. And you know they're not going to score either of those lines. So now you've put all your eggs in in one basket, and that's easy to shut down. I'd rather have a guy like Bailey on the third line that can feed a guy like Wallstrom, and you can still shelter Wallstrom. You saw that that line struggled against the Blue Jackets, and that might not be the only time they struggle. But if you've got Kunakal on that line instead of Bailey, do you think Kunakal's going to get Wallstrom the puck? Do you think Broussard's going to get Walsh in the puck? No, you need to have a little bit more of that balance. So that was how I saw it. Do I want Tom Kunach on the first line? No. I'd love Oliver Wallstrom on the first line with Barzell. I want to see that. That's, I think, the end game here. But for the time being, they're winning, and they're winning because Barry Trotz is playing even lines. That's my take on it. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Um The first inclination that I had is it might just be as simple as if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And is it broken? Subject to opinion. I, I can respect opinions on both sides, e.g. yours and Mitch's. Uh, But the overarching definition of whether it's broken in this case is whether they're winning. And it, if I'm right, then the if I remember correctly, then Kunakle's first game was the first game of the winning streak, right?
0: Um, so let's see how many games is Kunakle played. I I think you're I think you're right. Let me you keep going. I'll, I'll double so check for you. I'm pretty whether, sure you're
1: right. Whether Kunakle's record on the first line and also on the roster, I, I believe all of his games were on the first line, or maybe he'd won before. Whether Kunakle's record the season as an Islander is. Four and one, or four and zero, or three and zero, or whatever it is, then for Trotz's point of view, it doesn't really matter how good the first line is because the team is winning. And again, some disagree that that's a good reason for keeping on the first line. Some agree with Trotz, but the the fact of the matter is, I think it's just an old fashioned ain't broke don't fix it kind of kind of deal. Um, the other thing that surprises me is the second line. Um, like Dalcolis has, I think, improved when playing with because Bovillier Nelson have had a good partnership. Um, they play in overtime together as well. Um, it's interesting that Dalcol is the other one on that forward. I feel like it would be if you're talking about putting Wallstrom with defensively responsible guys. Bovillier Nelson and Wallstrom, give me that line. Give me that line. Right.
0: I mean, yeah, it's not. That's not a bad. That's not a bad line either. I, I think at some point they're going to have to decide where they want Wallstrom to be. I don't think I don't think that he's going to be on the third line forever. I think yeah. he's either going to move up or he's going to move to back to the to the AHL. Uh, I just I can't see him on that. And and, and it kind of that that kind of blends into an, another question I had for for the show, which is you know, what are we getting out of Derek Broussard here? It's, you know, that's been something that, do you give them 10 games? Do you give them a quarter of the season? Or do they start trying to move some things around and shuffle some things? Because you're going to have these guys coming back. Eberle's coming back. Casey's coming back. Ladd is coming back. We yeah. can't have passengers on this, on this roster. It's not going to work. So, That's one of the
1: things that Trot stresses is the the passengers, and it's true. Right right now, Broussard is is definitely a passenger, and and even the guys that have that have been bad. Like I don't I don't think Kunakal has played well. I don't think Alcoa has played well, though. He was pretty good against the a blue, the Blue Jackets. They're like doing something, kind of. Broussard, it, he's a passenger, like you said, and. So, you wanna to me, you need to give him a little bit more time it's It's gonna take a while for a guy who hasn't had any regularity in his life for for like two years and and as you know as getting older, like you said we we went over it uh, earlier in the podcast but mm. but i I saw it on Twitter somewhere, whether it was yesterday or the day before and it, it was used in a different context, but I think that when Tzizekas comes back and Ladd comes back and Eberly comes back, these decisions are going to be made for trots. It's going to have to do with how well you play, and hopefully it's going to be merit-based and that's it. Because if Brassard is not playing well and Wallstrom is playing well and Wallstrom goes back to Bridgeport and Brassard's still in the team 10 games from now, I'm going to be pretty pissed off.
0: Yeah, but, but you know that that's what's going to gonna happen. And just to, just so just to give just to give everyone an idea of where where Broussard is at right now. And and you and you were right. Uh Kunakl came in at the start of the winning streak. So his first game was against the Panthers. So um but Broussard, he's played 8 games. He's got 1 point, 1 assist. He's a minus 5 and he's wow. taken and he's taken 3 penalties. Minus five. He's a minus five. Wow. Yes. Yeah, so, so he's definitely struggling. not doing well. He's struggling, and, and you know, no goals at in his first eight games. That's not a big deal. The minus five thing and the three penalties. That really, that to me, he's had ten shots in in, so he's a little over a shot a game. I just think that you know the game has passed this guy by, unfortunately, and and again. Let's give him. I'm. I'm okay with giving him. You know, another another eight games. Give him 15 to see if he's going to adapt to to this system. But he's got to be better than that. He just has to.
1: Yep. And if right now, if if you think that you know Sazikas is close to being back, then right now the guy they're taking out of the lineup is probably Broussard. I wouldn't like you said. I want to give him a few more games. I. Um, but the decisions are going to be made for these guys. If if uh, there are so many, like like we said, but going into this, going into training camp, are all these like fringe, bottom six, top six guys, like who are you? We don't know who you are yet. Guys that that are, you know, one of them's playing top line right wing, but really has established himself. And you know, some of them are doing well, some of them are not doing so well. So it, you know. Like some of these guys are coming back soon, Sizikas, Lad, Eberle. We don't really. I don't think we have right. a timetable for him. Well, let me
0: let me throw a scenario at you. I want I want to know I want to see what you think of this. You know how I feel about the fourth line. If that fourth line doesn't have to stay together as a unit and we can we can interchange players around, imagine a third line of Casey Sizikas, Josh Bailey, and Oliver Wallstrom. Gimme,
1: gimme, gimme. Well, let's take a second. Let's go through the uh, – a healthy lineup of the Islanders if that's the third line because you're thinking, okay, top line is Lee Barzell and Everly. The right. second line is Beauvillier,
0: Nelson, and – I mean right now you've got, what, Dal Col on that line. Dalcol probably. I mean that's where I – see, that's where I think you start to – you start to now have to make decisions. And you've got on your to second up. line, you know, Sorry, you're, you... no, it's okay. I, I, I would say you're going to have to keep sitting your, your, your bottom tier guys. I don't know if Dal Cole's done enough to stay on that second line. So you're either going to move, you're, you're either going to put Wallstrom there or you're going to keep Dal Cole there for the sake of argument. Let's just keep Dalcole there. So let's say you've got Barzell, Lee, Eberle, line one. Line two, you've got Nelson, Dal Dalcole. Now, third line, let's say, let's just take Broussard out of the lineup and put Casey there. That third line looks completely different and can still maintain what Trotz wants it to be, which is a shutdown line. And now you've got Bailey, you've got Casey, and you've got Wallstrom. So you've got defensively responsive, responsible forwards, you've got guys who can bang, and you've got guys that can finish and pass the puck. I love that line. Love that You don't that have one.
1: to take Broussard out of the lineup. He can play the fourth line. You can play Komarov, Broussard, and Clutterbough.
0: Okay, but then you're going to sit Matt Martin, Kunakl, and Johnston. Okay. I mean, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with putting—I'm okay with, if Broussard keeps playing poorly, put Komarov as the center— Casey can take the faceoffs when we need him to in the defensive zone so Komarov doesn't have to take as many because he can't win a draw to save his life. So I'm okay with playing Komarov as the center, and then you've got—you remember that huge surplus of fourth-line guys that we have? Well, guess what? Only three of them can play every game. They so get a rotation. Right. Whoever's playing the best—and you know what? That fourth line, you can almost guarantee, will always be banging because they're going to be fresh— and they don't want to come out of the lineup. So you throw Clutterbuck on that line. You can throw uh, Kunakal on that line. You can throw Matt Martin. You can throw Johnston, and you rotate that. And to me, that's a pretty balanced roster, and every and to me, that's how I would deploy these guys. I've been saying it from the start of this show, the show, the podcast, episode one. Casey Sezikis is not a fourth-line center. He is a third-line center. Use him that way.
1: I agree. I, I've almost refrained from indulging because I don't think there's a chance that it happens when those three guys are all fit. But one of the things that I've, that I've thought is when one of those guys isn't healthy, it affects how the lineup should be in more than just the obvious replace him. When either Sezekis or Clutterbuck is in the lineup, Matt Martin shouldn't be the first choice because Ross Johnson's a better player.
0: He is, but but again, just like how we're not going to hold analytics to you know to the Islanders, we can't hold skill to the intangibles. And Matt Martin has those intangibles. Ross
1: Johnson gives you more intangibles than than Matt Martin does.
0: I disagree with you. I was all for scratching Matt Martin because I didn't think that he was playing effective at the beginning of the season. But you can't tell me that Ross Johnson brings more intangibles than Matt Martin when Matt Martin's in that lineup. The team is calm. They're lighter.
1: Matt Martin's a leader. Ross Johnson's gonna beat the shit out of somebody. Right, right. And so, and look,
0: you can play, you can tailor your roster to who you're playing against. That's exactly. totally fine. And exactly. you know what? When Lad comes back, then you can substitute Dal Cole for Lad because to me, they're very similar players. They both have scary good shots, but they're ineffective in a lot of other ways. Lad like, is a little they, bit they, better than Dal Cole, so now. I, I don't know, man. Th- that's how I would use this roster. I, instead of sprinkling your your fourth liners throughout the lineup, I'd rotate them all at the bottom. You still have that balance that Trot's like likes. If you, but wh- who you're taking out is Broussard, and he can play center on the fourth line sometimes too. But that's where, at some point, you have to cut bait with some of these guys and say they're not getting it done. We got to go a different direction, and that's coming soon. It's probably coming in November. When Ladd's back, because when Ladd comes back, you have to imagine, barring any, o- any other injuries, this roster's at critical mass. And so yeah. that's when you're going to see things start to take shape.
1: Remember what when you introduced Ladd coming back in instead of Del Cole? That threw into my mind, if your middle six wingers are Bovillier Bailey, uh, Wallstrom, and Ladd, it doesn't have to be that same third third and sec- second and third line. You can throw— Wallstrom up, second line, right wing, Bailey, third line, right wing, Lad, because Lad likes to play on the re- on the left. I'm not crazy, right? Lad's a lefty? Yeah,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: so so then you've got Lad, Suzecus, Bailey, and Bo Nelson Wallstrom, which also looks good. like any of those line combinations, assuming Suzeki is the third line center and Nelson is the second line center, those those all look good. and it's it can just be about who's playing well in the moment. And it's what Trotz has been preaching since preseason. So, you know,
0: go with it. I'm I'm all for that. I am, I'm all for that. So again, I'm going to bang the Casey on the third line drum the whole season because I just think that I want to see him playing with some talented players. If he can elevate the games of Cal Clutterbuck and Matt Martin, what can he do for other guys? We don't know. We really don't know. He's always been tethered to that fourth line. And I and just think
1: – Imagine what Josh Bailey can do to him.
0: Right. No, I know. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. So I think there's ways, and I think you're starting to see that. And look, I'm I'm not saying that Wallstrom needs to stay on this roster because he's the young, shiny, new toy that we have and all that. I'm not saying that. But the reason why I like Wallstrom on this team is, again, going back to balance, he's a shooter. We don't have shooters on this team. So you need a guy like that that's going to shoot first, think second. I'm okay with that because guys will get him the puck. We've got enough playmakers on this team, and Walsham's only going to get better as he keeps playing. And I think that is important to have on this on this roster. He's not afraid to take the body. He's not afraid to crash the net. He's not afraid to to mess with guys. He doesn't get intimidated. He looks like he belongs. And that's what we want, and that's what we need. So that's why I think Walsham needs to stay. He's high-end talent. That's shoot-first mentality.
1: Yep, yep. I'm with you 100% um, and you know we should we should probably be wrapping up but there were two things that I wanted to get to one of them I I told you about in text I said I have a hot take that I want to get to mm-hmm. and I I I didn't say who you know any the topic you don't know anything about it except that I said Kenny will like it which adds to the disappointment of him not being on today but it has to do with Thomas Grice okay so and I was thinking about it before, and then uh, I believe the Arthur Staple Athletic Podcast, which I can't endorse enough. I love it.
0: Um, yeah, it's him and Mark Parrish. Yeah, they do, it's they him do and a Mark great Parrish. job. They do a they great do job. A really listen, good job. Listen to that podcast right after you listen to ours.
1: Exactly, like spot on. Exactly what I what I wanted to get out of that message. Um, so, like, if if Grice is, you know, we get to the playoffs, and okay, fingers crossed. And Grice is the, you know, a, the guy carrying us, you know, around or two or whatever. And then he leaves. Like, so that got me thinking. Because the reason that he would leave and the one of the reasons why Varlamov came and Leonard left and all the big go, goaltender debacle is with Sorokin, Sorokin. Right. Is he going to come, if he's going to come, you know, that whole shtick. Right. So, which, you know, I've been building up this thing for, like, six years too long. Do you think that Sorokin coming is the most important thing right now? Like, because the way I see it, at least, I would rather a guy like Oliver Wallstrom work out. If I had to choose between him and Sorokin, who do I want to work out the most? I would probably choose Wallstrom because Sorokin gets, gets all the heat because, you know, There's like the leaving us wanting more because we've gotten none of it from Sorokin. But if Sorokin doesn't come, you you re-sign Thomas Grice. And I I thought Well maybe.
0: Maybe. Maybe you do. Because there's gonna be another UFA next year if Sorokin doesn't come. And his name is Robin Leonard. Exactly. And it could be Robin Leonard too. It's
1: it's it's them two. And then but you think if a guy like Oliver Wallstrom comes good, you don't need to trade for a top six forward.
0: Correct. Correct. So I'm thinking, and we've got, like, right.
1: right. So I'm thinking, like, is Sorokin the most important Islanders prospect to work out? And then you don't, you don't, you're not even talking about Noah Dobson, who has, you know, borderline number one D potential.
0: Well, here's where I think it's important. And I'm, I, I've got to be careful when, when saying what's the most important thing, because realistically, As far as I'm concerned, the goal is to win the Stanley Cup, and you need a few things to work out. So this is one of those things. Maybe it's the most important thing. Here's why I think Luz backed himself into a corner with the goaltenders. He gave Varlamov too much money. So if Sorokin doesn't come, you're going to have to re-sign Grice, or you're going to have to go after Leonard. And now you're going to have, in my opinion, too much money tied up in goaltending. And you've
1: got to sign Barzal and uh, and, and, uh, Tays and Pulak.
0: Right. And where Sorokin's advantage is, not only is he, in my mind, the most talented goaltender to not be in the NHL right now, but he's going to be relatively cheap because he's going to be on an ELC. And I don't – I have to read the CBA. I don't know what the rules are with his age and the fact that he's – you know, not playing in North America and what all those rules are. But as far as I know, it's going to be an entry level deal for at least a year or two. So you're able to navigate that cap a heck of a lot easier if Sorokin's here. Again, not even talking about the talent level, but yes, to me, if Sorokin's here, the Isles have their goaltender and then they've got their defense and they've got their rock solid goaltender And now you can just fill in the holes at forward, however you need to, whether that's from within with all the prospects, whether it's a trade, whether it's, you know, Wallstrom developing, Coivola developing, Holmstrom developing, whatever it is, you've got your core there. So, yeah, it's it's up there, Ben. I mean, is it the most important thing? I don't know, because. We can't seem to trade for a top six forward. It's very difficult for Lou to make that happen. So maybe Wallstrom developing is, is more important, especially if Varlamov puts up great numbers. It's almost like Mitch Korn can make that happen to anyone. So is Sorokin that important? You know, there's a lot so, of aspects so- to it. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's what I think. There are so many question marks around Ilya Sorokin. Is he going to come? Is is it, are, are his skills going to translate to the North American game? Is he going to take to Piero Greco and Mitch Korn's teachings? I mean, there are so many layers to this. But yeah, it's up there. It's up there. And and Lou signing Varley long term to uh, 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 to me, uh, um, too high of a number really put us in a potential bind. So yeah, it's important. It's definitely important. And then the last thing
1: that I wanted to get to, and I'm sure that you'll uh, have some things to end uh, to end on was I wanted to give Ryan Pulak some credit. I slandered him a bit in the last episode. Um, He was, he did not have a good week last week, but this week I thought that he returned to that top pairing guy that we've expected of him. Um, Pelik sort of got the wake-up call in the last game that we did before the podcast last week, which might have been the Panthers game or the Blues game. I thought he started to, to get back into it, and I thought that Pulak played some uh, some solid minutes um, the last two games. So so hats off to him. And Boychuck, the, the numbers I seem to read on, on Twitter, that the numbers say that he was bad against the Blues. I mean, not the Blues, the Blue Jackets, aside from the block to keep it in the zone. Um, no, the block to to uh, for the Barzell 2-1-1 that I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. But I think the guy's playing well. Like for I,
0: real. Yeah, I think and, so too.
1: I think and so And Scott too. Mayfield had a nightmare game against the somewhere against the Blue Jackets. He did not play well against the Blue Jackets. I, I I'd like to see some more from Scott Mayfield this season. And that is my roundup of the Islanders right-handed defenseman. very nice coming to my TED talk
0: I I I think when you have expectations like we have for this this grouping of defensemen especially the way they played last season it's easy to get on them I, I I like how they've been cleaning up certain aspects of their game I I hammered the D and really the team last last show because I felt that they were having trouble getting out of the zone and they were sloppy and they weren't clearing when they should have and 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 not taking advantage of of clearing opportunities so i think that has has definitely been cleaned up and i think that they've been better in front of the net and i think look Pollock is still a younger kid Taves is still younger they're still adjusting to the game and look the the what is the old school thought is you don't know what a defenseman really is until he's 300 games into the sea, into his career, and these guys are not quite there yet. They, we still have a very young group, and they're still going to make mistakes. And sometimes Pellick looks amazing, and sometimes you say, "Why did he do that?" But you got to look at the body of work. You got to look at it in in chunks, you know, five game chunks. And I think we still have a very good group here. And the fact that Noah Dobson's only been able to play two games. Speaks to that fact. We've got a great player here that we don't have to rush. Now I'd like to see him get in soon, and maybe with the back-to-back that's going to happen. And Ben, you seem to read the tea leaves and know when he's going to play. So if you could let me know, I'd appreciate it. Uh, and but that speaks to to the strength of the D. We've got big guys. We've got a young D core besides Johnny. But I think you need I think you need Boychuk in there more often than not because he just has a way of settling the team down, keeping it light, and he sets the tone. When you see him out there blocking shots and giving it his all, you have to play inspired like that. And you're not going to get that from Noah yet. Noah, you're going to get, you know, a guy who's adjusting to the NHL game. So I'd maybe like to see Noah come in for somebody else, rest some guys maybe on the back-to-back, see if he can get back in there because I think that he's a true asset that we have but it's going to be tough for him to break in regularly this season. I think we're seeing that. You know, barring injuries, he's going to be in the in the in the press box a lot this year.
1: The uh, the magic eight ball answer to when will Dobson play is ask again later.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. Ready? I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to I'm going to count to 3 and you and I are going to say the team that he's going to play against next.
1: Wait, who are the who are the Islanders next? It's uh. You got
0: Arizona. You've got Ottawa. You've got Philly coming up.
1: It's really the third game because he's definitely gonna play the next three, I think.
0: Yeah, it's uh, Philly's on yeah. Sunday, so it's Arizona, Ottawa, and then Philly, I believe. Which don't come to my house that day. That's gonna be ugly. <laughs>
1: okay, let me think. For a second, I'm weighing up the options. Are you? Do you have your answer?
0: I've got my answer. I'm ready to go. I'm so conflicted because, like, well, I'm uh, ready. I'm ripping the band aid off. One, two, three. Coyotes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There <laughs> you have it. <laughs> because I was right thinking,
1: then. I was thinking, like, Ottawa are bad, like, obviously. And then I was thinking the coyotes are, uh, First of all, Dogs hasn't played in a while, so the idea is to get someone a days off. But I just realized they haven't played in like eight years, yeah. so why would they need yeah. days it's
0: off? It's gonna be like I think a five day a five day layoff between games. Yeah, so Nobody needs a day off. I'm such an idiot. Um, uh, what were my
1: I was I has like thoughts were you know?
0: No, I listen. I'm not gonna let you talk anymore because last time you knew and I gave you all these reasons why it wasn't going to happen and then it happened anyway. So, all right. I say Ottawa, you say Coyotes. So there you go, Noah Dobson will be in the lineup against Arizona. Get your tickets now at the barn. There you, that's it. That's it.
1: Dobson your your family, they they should be listening to the podcast just they don't they don't need to ask you when when he's going to play. <laughs>
0: just yeah, listen. That, exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, Ben, we pretty much covered everything I wanted to get to. I don't think there was much to much more. I th- I thought we we kind of hit all the major points. So I, I'm I'm good. If you're good, man.
1: Yeah, we're just gonna have to wait till next week for an update on whether the squirrels being gone from Kenny's attic was just a temporary thing or.
0: I think they were playing coy, and I think they've got him tied up somewhere. Is my is my. That's actually
1: thought. why he's not on the. Uh... Um
0: today he's dealing Yeah, he's tied up. He's tied up to railroad tracks that squirrels dragged them out and 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 tied them up or they buried him in acorns or something. I don't you know. You got to
1: whisper that's going to be the next Disney movie.
0: Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, again, um we we appreciate you guys listening through the through the show. Uh we we know you've got a lot of options. We appreciate that you make time for us in your week uh and you love the owls as much as we do. If you've got questions, comments, if you want to, you know, call in Let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. Ben's at LISound underscore. I'm at KaijuBlue13, K-A-I-J-U-B-L-U-E-13. We are playing around with possibly doing some live streams on our Facebook page. Make sure you search for the Long Island Sound Podcast on Facebook. Join the group. We post our new episodes on there. We're on Spotify. We're on SoundCloud. We're on iTunes. We're on Anchor FM. And uh, inevitably, if you follow us on Twitter, you've definitely seen us posting and and retweeting when we we drop an episode. So, uh, again, we really appreciate all the support we've had, all the listens we've had. We're going to keep this thing going through the season. And uh, for Ben, I'm Damon. Thanks for listening. Later.